A key component in a successful coaching relationship is communication. That is, a clear understanding of the rider and their requirements, their state of mind, as well as their state of fitness. Communication is the human relationship that exists between a coach and a rider, and it defines coaching, not a training plan. It's the basis of the feedback loop that is essential in adjusting training. If you go a week without talking to your coach or your coach looking at and adjusting your training, if necessary, you can be way off track before anything gets done about it. Communication helps the rider to maximize the effort they put into their training and maximize the adaption when they're not training. As you may have guessed, we're going to explore communication in this episode because communication is much more than having a good old chin wag. Although that's part of it, We're going to get into how communication is related to your performance and what's important to communicate both as an athlete and as a coach. Plus, we're going to take a look at a brain training tool that fatigues the mind during workouts to help athletes prepare for competition. From Semi-Pro Cycling, this is Ride Better, Faster. I'm Damien Roos. I'm fascinated by the ways riders and coaches move along the spectrum of coaching relationships. This idea that a coach-athlete relationship exists on a spectrum from something like the Shane Orr, Tia Claire Toomey, non-cyclists, but look them up if you want to see how deep a connection and integration can be. They're life partners, they live together, one person is the coach and the other is the athlete. To the other side of the spectrum where you have an email-only coach, Yes, they still do exist, where you're only getting a training plan and there's little to no data going back to the coach. These are the extremes, and all other coach-athlete relationships fit somewhere in the middle. From those great coaches that can tell where an athlete is through regular conversations, reading facial expressions, demeanor, body language, to supplementing any lack of direct communication with technology. For the best example of direct coaching, of course, we have to turn to pro cycling and the demands of the coach-athlete relationships in pro cycling. But let's take a step back and think about pro cycling teams and how many riders they each have and how coaching is structured within the teams. Here's part of a conversation I had with Alan Piper from UAE Team Emirates and World Tour coach Daniel Healy about the rider limit and the demands per coach on a World Tour team with 29 riders. The load of, of training a rider is already high. Daily contact, riding specific programs for him, uh, you know, I don't know, Daniel can probably tell you more, but I would say the upper limit for really working well inside a team has got to be seven or eight riders. Well, yep. what, what do you think, Daniel? That's the magic number, exactly. Um, Bobby Julik told me this many, many years ago. He said, look, eight, eight would be the max. Eight may not sound like a lot, but when you start to break down what each rider needs, you start to see why it's on the more direct side of the coach-athlete relationship. But I had five riders that I would talk to in the morning. Um, I would talk to them sometimes during a ride where they would say, hey, you know, I don't feel these over-unders are going that good. Should I shut it down? And of course I would say yes. A call to each rider every day before the ride, potentially calls during a ride. Uh, and then after the ride. And if you're doing that, with with eight to ten riders your day is quite full and then you've got to go through and do uh, your files so you've got to mark up files when you've got a when you've got five riders that are all going for the classics and you start doing 40 20s and they've got three sets of 40 20s that's 30 intervals times five 
and you're doing it second by second. You're there for hours. Back to communication, though. Writing a story about the training session they've just done. Uh, if it's bad, you don't lie. You say, look, that was pretty poor, so we're going to pull you back a little bit. And it's, it's having all that information front of mind. And when it gets to about eight riders, maybe a max of 10, you you start losing the focus. You start losing that um, personal feel. Numbers is one thing, but you're, you're in that rider's life. Top of mind, personal feel, be in the rider's life and communicate a lot. In other words, the training of these riders have to own your shower thoughts. And in the pro cycling world, rightfully so, there's a lot at stake for all parties involved. And that's a big reason why World Tour coaches are on 5 to 10% of the athlete's salary or they're being paid a salary directly by the team. So that's how the pros go deep. But let's move back across the spectrum to where we all sit. Somewhere on the relationship spectrum between living in the same area as your coach, they may be a part of your club, do similar group rides and races, you see them sometimes outside of cycling. And on the other side of that, we again have the old school email and Excel coach. I would say that it is going to be more common that riders sit more in the middle of these two types of relationships. So technology fills the gap left by less direct contact. And this is where I sit as a coach, somewhere between phones, chat messages, notes in training peaks and indirect technology. And one thing that I have relied on as an online coach is my ability to read people. And I'm not saying this to humble brag, even though I know I still sound like a bit of a wanker. Absorbing information about a rider's life, even if they're on the other side of the world and adjusting training and load accordingly has been a valuable tool helping me make coaching decisions. The technology I use to do this comes in many forms and sometimes it might border on the side of professional stalking, but hey, isn't that a soft skill of anyone in the internet age? In order of importance, here's a list of places I get my indirect information from. Strava, Facebook, Instagram, third-party accounts of the same social media, YouTube, TV, cycling club, websites. The funny thing is that writing down a list of these sites, it seems like I could get most of this information through direct communication. But to me, observation is such a powerful tool. Think about watching a rider climbing up a hill and what you can learn about that rider. Watch a rider climbing a hill in a race and see what else you can learn. Technique temperament, form, the list goes on and on. And so observing riders around others on social media, you can see people off guard, relaxed, not just giving you the answers you want to hear. It's another way to get a completely new set of information. The next part of the show is dedicated to what is important to communicate both as an athlete and as a coach. So first up, as an athlete, what are the key points that help your coach make decisions? And this is more on the day-to-day -day thing rather than the big goals and targets that you will be setting in longer intervals. Number one is data. Obvious, but it has to be said. Do the basics. Make sure that your coach can get all the data all of the time. Make sure things are charged and working before each ride, the night before preferably. Wink, wink. Number two, feedback. Use the notes in your training platform or write a training journal that your coach can openly get access to. This helps fit the data into the training story from each session. How you felt when you were generating that data is as important as the data itself. If you're stuck for ideas, I've used different instruments, questionnaires and questions in the past. If you never really have something to say after a ride, this can help you prompt responses. And as always, consistency is key here. Descriptions of a ride that change over time are a great way for a coach to read into your current state. 
This is kind of the bare minimum list. You can get fancy and add more to these, but these two will hit, I think, around 90% of what a coach needs to know if they're also keeping an eye on the other things outside of this. Okay, so what about the coach? Coaching is about trying to find ways to get the best out of a rider, and the real art in coaching is customizing getting athletes to buy into the process and believing what they're doing is going to help them to reach their goals. So my number one thing on the list is making sure the rider has a clear expectation of how difficult a session is going to be. Now, each rider needs a different type of understanding here. The art of coaching is also about getting the right blend in terms of tailoring coaching to personalities, different types of learning styles, different beliefs on what's good for them, and different experiences. Some writers need more context, others just want details, but here's three examples of how to set clear expectations. Number one, some easy ride you know they're going to get through, describing it as you want to feel good for the whole ride. Number two, it's going to be uncomfortable for parts, but you're going to get through it. Number three, this is going to hurt, you're going to suffer, but you just need to get through it. The value here for the coach is the athlete's perception of the session based on your expectation and how you can adjust this over time to get the athlete stomping through the this ride is going to suck sessions. The big second part here is monitoring and communicating any improvements or if they're not improving. It's second on my list because who doesn't love to hear about progress? And this is all about using cycling-specific technologies and tools, stats and charts and metrics in my experience, some riders can get lost because it's pretty complicated and meaningless to how they do the work. So picking the most meaningful metrics in careful context is the best way to communicate this. So I hope I've inspired you to lift your game if you're an athlete and you don't write notes. I hope that I've given you some tools in order to help you this because if you nail these as either a coach or an athlete, you will have a successful relationship because as long as there is communication there are the most important elements of the coach-athlete relationship, and they are confidence in each other, dialogue, and honesty. It's time once again for The Chaser, the segment of the show where I talk about something that is probably unreleased, untested, or has nothing to do with cycling. This time, I have come across Rewire Fitness. It's an app with external buttons to do brain training during workouts. Well, Brain Endurance Training, or BET to be exact. And the big benefit headlines on the website claim improve athletic performance, improve mental resilience, improve decision-making, enhance mind-body recovery. But what are the real benefits for cycling performance? This product is based on scientific research that started with a 2009 study called Mental Fatigue Impairs Physical Performance in Humans. And it was no surprise to me to see Samuel Makora as an author. If you have even a passing interest in how the body and brain manage fatigue, you will have heard of this name and, of course, Makora's arch nemesis, Dr. Tim Noakes. But anyway, the second author listed on the paper is Walter Steno, and he is Rewire's scientific advisor. But back to the study... It wanted to confirm the hypothesis that mental fatigue impairs physical performance in humans, which they were able to show. And then, in research done in 2015, Walter Steno showed that brain training is highly effective in improving endurance performance when combined with traditional physical training. 
The study in 2015 was called a randomized controlled trial of brain endurance training to reduce fatigue during endurance exercise, aimed to test the efficiency of brain endurance training in alleviating fatigue during endurance exercise. The hypotheses were that the combination of brain training and the standard endurance training increases endurance exercise performance and reduces rating of perceived exertion, RPE, more than the standard endurance training alone. The participants were split into two groups, a brain endurance training group and a control. Both groups trained on an ergo for 60 minutes at 65% of VO2 max. While they were cycling, the brain endurance training group performed a mentally fatiguing task on a computer. The control group was not involved in any mentally fatiguing task while cycling, and both groups trained three times a week for 12 weeks. The results showed the brain training group had a three times improvement in the time to exhaustion than the control group, 126% compared to 42% over a 12-week training period. Impressive. If you're a healthy human. I'm not aware of a study with well-trained athletes though, and I may be wrong, but as a study in 2016 showed, professional cyclists have greater resistance to the negative effects of mental fatigue, so it would be beneficial to know the types of improvement that is possible in a well-trained group of cyclists. The other part of the response inhibition training is that Training through life's normal mental stresses can also build similar fatigue resistance as the app is trying to achieve, but this may be a good way to quantify and track the difference between the perceived effort and the physical effort. How's that for a tie-in to the feature and using this as a tool for an athlete and coach to build a better understanding of the athlete's perception of a session based on your expectation? Okay. So what does this product look like? It has a pair of Bluetooth brain training straps, which are basically buttons that strap to your hoods. These are how you answer the brain training questions while you're doing a workout, an indoor workout. All of the training and questions are shown on the Rewire Fitness app. They have some built-in power-based workouts. I'm not sure about importing your own workouts or even using the app with third-party training platforms, something that would be welcome by more serious cyclists. The questions look like they show up in three boxes, a big one at the top and then two smaller ones underneath that. And from my guess on the picture, it's a word. So in the one picture, there's the word red and it's in the color red. Then there's the two boxes underneath and each side has something written. There is green written in red and red written in green. So I imagine you're then picking the word that matches with the right or left hand button. Overall, it looks like a good execution of something that I have long thought about myself, and I'm sure many people have after seeing some of the the original study that was put out. Right now, the product is in pre-sale, but it does say it will be delivered very soon. The price, there's two subscription options, monthly or annual, along with a one-time purchase of the brain training straps. So, so it's either 30 bucks a month, and the brain training straps are 34 bucks. And the annual subscription is 288 bucks with the same cost for the brain training straps. So you can find out more information at their website, rewirefitness.app. Again, it looks like a good execution. I'm just not 100% sure that it's going to work for your performance. Ride Better, Faster is written, hosted and scored by me, Damien Roos. You can check out more episodes at semiprocycling.com. Until next time, ride well.